Welcome to Farming with Family. I'm your host, Garrett Hansen, with my sister and co-host, Ashley Kenny. We're third-generation dairy farmers raising the fourth, and we're here to get brutally honest about family farming and succession. So take out grandpa's hearing aids and buckle up. For safety. Here we go. Another episode of Farming with Family. Today we are talking about the thing that all dairy farmers out there want to hear about, which is how we got robots, how it's going, and all the rest of the farmers uh, have nothing else to listen to anyway. So they can listen to us talk about implementing robots. Yeah, I think first we need to start with like the why we got robots because like I think every farm is going to be different and just our geographical location itself was kind of the biggest reason why we needed robots. So let's first give a brief rundown of uh, just for those who are listening for the first time. What are, where's our farm? What do we milk? That kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah. So we, we are north of Spokane, Washington, and we are like one of like four or five functioning dairies up by us. So that means we have very little to no support on the agricultural side. So we're a pretty small dairy when you look at the grand grand scheme of things, but we, we milk the most out of everybody up here. We're milking about 220. Um, in other dairy regions, you can watch as employees go from farm to farm, you know, kind of job shopping up here. We don't have those kind of employees. We don't have a whole lot of manual laborers looking for a, a dairy job position. So we, as uh, the incoming generation, had little to say about it, but the the current generations um, running the farm made the big decision to go to robots for uh, the future, which is Ashley and I. And uh, so far, it's been it's been really good for us. Yeah. So uh, for what thirty years, we milked with a double ten herringbone. Mm-hmm. Uh, De Laval. And then, and, and that worked wonderfully. Um, it was just, but just like with that, Ashley, we didn't have any support. I mean, we had to learn how to, how to fix all that. If anything went down, we were three hours from the nearest dealer. Yeah. So, and, and that's a story with everything on the farm. Um, and that still proves to be an issue sometimes with the robots, but we can still be more self sufficient with them. So um, our mom, who would be uh, technically second gen on the farm, she started essentially courting a salesman years ago. I mean, six years ago now. I was still in high school when I first met our salesman, Derek. Um, yeah, and I mean, we've, we were good friends with him before we ever even bought anything from him. He was a really good salesman. He stuck with us for a long time without making anything off of us. He drove all the way out to Elk, Washington for years and then finally... Uh, Sold us for Lely A5 uh, robots. Mm-hmm. So, um, Garrett, you want to just talk about the process of basically what, what what did we do with our barn? Did we? Yeah. So we, our barn, we were able, our barn and, and really our whole farm landscape, we were able to, to um, envision a, a retrofit that would work for us. And part of that retrofit was using the same milk house. And uh, if you can envision it, 
our, our freestyle barn is the end of it where cows would normally go into the holding pen to enter our 10 by 10 herringbone. Um, we just added onto that freestyle barn for the robots, which means we got to pump that milk from the robots all the way through our holding pen, through our 10 by 10 and into our, our milk house. And, uh, that, that was kind of like the selling point was when the engineers with, with Derek came out and said, Hey, we can make this work using this and still pump, pump, uh, milk, get hot water out there all using the same, the same line. So that was, that was a big, that was a big step for us to, to be able to envision that retrofit on that barn using that milk house. Yeah. So some unique challenges that came to us when it talk when we talk about that retrofit is that, um, first of all, this was still kind of during COVID. So mm-hmm. yeah, I 2021. mean, yeah, when we, when we signed on the robots, it was 2020 end of 2020. Yeah. And then we, we got a new bulk tank. So we had a 4,000 gallon and we switched to a 6,000 gallon, I think in January of 2021. Yeah. I was, I was at school still when they, when yeah. we put that in. Yeah. And then, um, and then that, that spring we started to build. Yeah. You came home for spring break and we tore down the old shaving shed, which had been on the end of the barn where we would, where we now have the robots. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people will call our farm the building farm because my grandpa um, builds a new building or retrofits a new building every year. Um, but we um, we didn't hire a contractor, and that was a a unique. Um, yeah, at first the company that we bought the robots from was like, "Hey, we we are not selling robots to some farmer that's going to put they? something over it that yeah, you know, farmer rigged over." These you know million dollars worth of robots. Yeah, but um, I think that once Grandpa talked with the head engineer there, they decided we could run with it, and um, so yeah, essentially Grandpa worked with their head engineer and built that barn, and that was all farm labor and some old retired guys from church. They came out and uh, poured concrete, and yeah, and by poured barn. concrete, it was like during COVID. And for whatever reason, like uh, the concrete plant that that they would get, you know, the Portland cement mix from, they it shut down. So like our concrete plant mm. had no concrete. So we were like, we we're holding back the whole build because we couldn't yeah. get concrete laid down. And I mean, we we had we had you know any trucks within a hundred miles would come and just uh, after after any dumps if they had any. Uh, got left over overrun or anything like that we'd we'd ask for it we, they'd put some uh some slow setting yeah. agent in there and it was it's probably the worst concrete we've ever poured i mean we have cold joints everywhere it's it's really tough looking but at the end of the day you put robots on it and nobody's looking at the floor exactly and I mean, the cows are gonna crap on it anyway yeah i mean we we did like probably 10 different forming pours which is a lot for a bunch of farmers to have to figure out how to get smallish space yeah yeah so that that was covid in and of itself putting robots in then was just sucked and i i don't know if anybody from washington's listening to this but that summer was hot it was i was it was miserable eight months pregnant 
and I I have pictures of me standing out there hosing off cows who are waiting in line to get pushed into robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I mean, we back up from pushing, and we decide to to go ahead with the with the with the um robots. Shut down the the ten by ten, and that was in June. Late May, June. It was in June when we actually switched. Yeah. So we back up and actually talk about like we had to put in a flush tank and how we made our robot. We call them huts. What are they actually called? I think technically, technically, Laylee calls them a toll booth situation. Okay. Or a toll booth layout. So, um, so where did we get our uh, toll booth huts from? Yeah. So back into the build, uh, we our our neighbor is a precast. Um. He does custom precast. So he he custom precast some walls for us so we didn't have to do any stick frame walls for the, the robot toll booths. Um, that was unique in the fact that the company that sold us the robots, we were the first ones that did a actual precast walls for them. So we we were in that situation, kind of figuring out the whole drawings that that company gave to our precast guy, and that was a little bit of a headache. Plus, um, just just other construction issues. It was it was a tough build at that time for whatever reason. I think I think COVID, lack of resources, lack of manpower had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. But okay, so that was our huts, and then uh, we put in a new flush tank. Yeah, well, uh, we put in a poly tank that that all of our our uh, plate cooler water goes to, so that we can do have clean flush water around the robots, and then that flush water that flush water will actually get, has an auxiliary pump out of that tank that we can wash down the the toll booths with. Yeah, and if you guys are interested in seeing um, videos of this, you can find me on Instagram at Dairy Lane Farms. And that link will be in the show notes. And then um, if you guys want more specifics, it's obviously a small world and there's probably only two of you listening anyway. So <laughs> just send me a DM and I can send you specific videos of whatever we've got going on. Um, okay. So that was pretty much everything, all, all the, everything but the robots. Mm-hmm. And um, so what was the process like since we are so far away from our dealer, which was Dairy Tech, by the way, for those of you who are in the PNW and in the dairy community. They, I think they really are great people to work with. Um, mm-hmm. Very professional. Um, but since we were so far away, they're in Linden. We are in Elk, which was what, eight hours? It's like minimum eight hours. You have to go through Seattle traffic, through Spokane yeah. traffic. It's like the worst drive you could ever imagine across Washington. Yeah. But they sent a team out to us of guys a couple times. And then mm-hmm. there at the end, when we were really getting everything finished, it was. They're probably here for two weeks or something like that. Yeah. They were here for a couple of weeks at a time, several times throughout that spring of 2021. Yeah. And so it was, I think, about four guys at a time. And um, they worked with, you know, Grandpa and you when you were home. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, any other employees who are around. And um, that's when they actually put in the robots. And obviously they knew what they were doing and then trying to. Yeah, but we didn't. And usually they are teaching you along the way. though. Yeah, Usually they have, you know, usually they have their own resources because they're close to Linden. Oh, yeah. They were also farmers. So they were using our stuff to put in stuff. It was it was kind of redneck. But, oh, I can remember we had a we had one robot that it was it. It 
once you get it in the barn, that's fine, but it kind of goes up against a bank. And we had our telehandler booming this this robot across Very here. Expensive. We're rolling it. We're rolling it on like rebar and other pipes. It was so redneck. But it's in, and they're all working. So that's yeah, important. I think we, I think we were stressing the install team out more than we were stressing ourselves out. Yeah, one guy smoked a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> he, he was he a was trooper. Stressed. <laughs> yeah, um, and they were they were far away from their boss, so that was just kind of an interesting aspect of it. But they did a really great job of working with us to get those in on time. And the timing is also kind of a funny thing. Not funny. It was not funny. It caused a lot of people some tears. But we had said to Dairy Tech, we want these in before what end of may yeah and obviously our concrete issue situation pushed that back but it just so happened that we did the final install right when we started doing haylage yeah so we were running trucks i think grandpa basically moved over to that whole operation the whole hang operation and he ran those guys and then i think pretty much mom and honestly, Derek was here a lot and uh, some other guys from Dairy Tech and Garrett, they they ran that whole operation of transferring the cows from that herringbone to. Oh, yeah, that was tough. Ooh. So so what mom what, and I were we pulled 24 hour shifts like for you guys were rough four or five days. I was out of the running because I was about to have a baby. Fall yeah. Out. yeah, we so when we when we flipped off the um all the power to the. Actually, actually, we had to cut, we had to use some of the, we had to use the same plate cooler that we had been. So we, we had to move it to the new, all the new piping. So as soon as we did that, we were officially off of our herringbone. So we. Scary. Yeah. So we, right then, I mean, we're done with the herringbone and we're, we have to start pushing cows and we hadn't really talked to dairy tech about how we're doing this you know well we just kind of overlooked mind yeah what it was going to look like so like there was some miscommunication there that didn't help along with us trying to do our own haying operation okay so what as far as communication and how we should push cows yeah because i want i want to give our listeners some takeaways if you're going to do this how would you start transitioning your cows to robotics um we did one thing really good we before we transitioned to robots, we turned the robots on to a mode that um, basically puts some grain out for them and makes all the sounds. And by then they all had collars on. Yeah. By then they all had collars on. It it puts a little grain out for them. It makes all the sounds that it would while it's milking. And then it just releases them. And then we also, um, I'm not sure that this helped. We pushed them all straight through. Like you would push them through a, like a, a foot bath or something like that. We just pushed them all straight through. And I don't know if that helped or not. Um, at the end of the day, we would, we put them all to one side of our freestyle barn. When we started milking, we, we put them all to one side and, uh, put them in, take, take, go grab 10 or so, put them in your catch pen, push that 10 through, and then they exit towards feed. So we, we just did that until we were done with the herd. So you, that took us about six hours when we started. And then we would take about two hours off and start. So then you, the last ones, if they were still the same last ones, would be eight hours out. And then you just kind of work up from there. This is how we did it. 
and I, I can't tell you if that's the best way or not. Um, I don't know if we do it that way again. Research. Yeah, I would definitely do your research. Do your research with with your install team, with your FMS advisor. Um, I would I would definitely use those resources better than we use those resources. Yeah, and see if there's other options because even now, you know, that's that's pushing two and a half years ago. Now there's got to be a lot of other people who've had better experience, but we can say that we didn't do that exactly right. But eventually, it all worked after. Mm-hmm. A lot of sleepless nights for you guys. And I, th- I think that that's all going to depend on like, I mean, our, our mother is like super, super um, anal about what happens to her cows. They're her babies. Yeah. What time? I mean, more, well, they're more her babies than Ashley and I are. <laughs> it goes grandkids, cows. Yeah. And then kids. <laughs> anyway. uh. You know, it's going to be different depending on that herdsman. Yeah. Um. They they're gonna they're gonna want to have a big say in the timing of milking and and if you know a lot of guys will do that second milking where there's the cows don't have much milk but you want to get them in get some grain in to them. Oh. You know, a lot of guys will shoot them up with some oxytocin. Let's get some milk out of that situation. I don't know. It's it totally depends on your. Yeah, but and your herdsman. Oh, uh, I don't think we had any cows crash. No, we did have one give 160 pounds because she was 24 hours out. It the the jar had to pump twice. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that in my entire life. It was it was crazy. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, for all the mistakes that were made, um, only a couple humans cried, but all the cows did really stinking well, and in that heat. But like I said, we were also out there for a couple times a day, just hosing them off because it, it was hot. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever been so hot. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of things kind of stacked up against us, but we're really glad that we were able to make it through that. Yeah. Um, and then since we're going to dedicate this episode mostly to the installation and what that transition was like uh, later, we can talk a little bit more about what that's, what that's brought to us. But one of the main reasons that we did switch over to robots is because of labor. So during this whole process, keep in mind that we've had two workers, two milkers. Two basically full-time milkers. Yeah, two full-time milkers. And um, we had in mind to offer them a job after after these were installed. You know, what, whatever they wanted to do on the farm, we were going to be able to find work for them. And at the very least, we had a really good severance package ready for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them just up and quit. Uh, yeah, he just didn't. Sh- we we're, we're still on the parallel, and he just didn't show up for that milking so yeah so put a bad taste in our mouth you know i'm sure we put a bad taste in his mouth too though more than a couple times yeah so um we ended up losing that employee and then the other one stayed on for how long i don't remember he uh, was six seven months yeah he, he was here for several months afterwards and um i mean geez if it were me i'd be stoked to not be getting up and having weird shifts like that but uh he worked like normal hours and did other stuff on the farm but uh, i think he found something he'd prefer to do so he left and then um we were down to basically what we have now plus one man yeah which is just uh grandpa mom garrett and then um now we have a high school kid here full-time well he's he's part-time but um yeah those three family members are here really full-time and then i do uh 
herdsman stuff in the mornings and feed calves and do stuff from home. But it's really brought our our labor force down. That's for sure. Yeah, but I I think it, while we're on that topic, a lot of people yeah. that put in robots expect to be able to take a seven day vacation, and that's not the case at all. You can't even take a seven hour vacation. Uh, I would say that like as far as like for our mom and I. It probably increased the workload for us. Definitely. You know, because now we're the, we don't, we don't have enough work to justify another employee really, especially with milk prices. Yeah. And corn prices. But also everything that you guys have learned in the last Mm -hmm. two years, it would almost take another two years to teach another human how to do all that and just know all of that because it's all, it's all memory now. And also the ability to learn how to work with them just like any other. Well, what we need to do is start writing it all down. Hey. Novel concept. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of the process of putting them in. And like Garrett said, it definitely didn't live up to, uh, I think, a lot of people's dreams, which is to just kind of be able to be hands off. It's actually funny. When Garrett got married in September, his wife wrote in her, um, like, their personal vows that they read to each other. She wrote that she would, what, love you no matter how many times the robots call you or whatever. Have, yeah. Have endless patience. And yeah. to her credit, she does. I have, I have some, I have a really colorful, colorful names for the robots in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good, not a good situation all the time. But um, yeah, that was the process of putting in the robots. Lots of things that we learned from. Um, I think the moral of the story is everyone's situation is going to be different. Uh, there's not like a one size fits all. And I think that good dealers are going to know that. And um, I think the biggest things are communicate really well with your dealer and uh, ask for more help when you need it. Or if you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Be sure like the build from the build to, to the actual training of cows, the, like the dealer and anyone that's on the, on the premises at that time is, Mm-hmm. On the same page from your nutritionist, because they got to be really involved with the whole switching to pellets. Um, that's one thing we didn't that even touch. Big, we, yeah, that was a yeah, we started to, we started top dressing the the TMR at that time. Uh, with pellets, and then now we now that we've moved to a PMR since we have pellets at the robots. They they really adapted to eating the pellets at the robots better now that they knew the scent of that those pellets. Yeah, so we did do that right. I yeah. think for sure. That was a that was a big thing for us. That was good. And yeah, you do have to have everybody on the same page. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that worked well. Um I think that I think that's about it for as far as like the robot install and startup. Um, Something I think that we also did well was before we signed on the robots, every single person who either has uh, an interest in the farm, literally, or a future interest in the farm, as in Garrett and I, we all had to go visit other farms with robots. So we all went over at separate times to visit um, some different robotic dairies in on the west side and learned a lot, met some really great farmers and uh, learned from there successes and mistakes and then apply that to us so we would encourage you guys to do the same and this applies to any any farm operation any kind of diversification any kind of um implementation of technology yeah you got to get off the farm and see how other people are doing it because they're youtube they're deaf yeah not just youtube but they're 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 not doing it right 
per your standards and you're you won't be doing it right per their standards so i mean the if you can get any sort of knowledge from them the good the bad the ugly you know the do's the don'ts that's that makes a world of difference because then then you're already a step ahead of the game yeah and something about physically going and visiting their dairies is you see things with your own eyes that they're not going to bring up let alone put on you know youtube or whatever the dealer's not going to tell you like we saw one dairy and it was just a really big deal how little they cleaned around the robots like seeing that has changed and really influenced how clean we keep our area because we saw that and we're like we plus, just, plus we have our grandmother who endlessly sweeps and washes wipes things down by wipes hand. Things she down. wipes down the milk jars by hand every single day <laughs> the other day <laughs> she the other day she was wiping down the arm on the robot Where they poop. while it was running on a cow <laughs> and the cow stepped forward so the arm pushed her forward Aww. she tripped into the e button and it woke me up cuz i was sleeping in that morning <laughs> to go to go reset the e, the emergency <laughs> button on this damn robot and i she, she didn't call me or anything she just waited for the robots to call me i show up she goes I really messed up. <laughs> I said, I know, but don't worry. I know how to fix it. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> then I'm going to go back to sleep. You didn't. I did not, but I did in my mind. That's funny. Um, well, yeah, I think that's the robots. We'll have to have another episode of uh, what life is like now with robots as far as, um, you know, production improvement and just what it's like managing a herd with the robots and how that's changed because it's really changed. Pretty much everything we do, except for what time we feed the cows. Yeah. So that's it. even then, it maybe should change the time, but we're farming with old farts. <laughs> so, all right. Well, if you guys have questions, um, or if you have had something that you want us to talk about on a future episode regarding any of this, um, just go ahead and let us know. Again, you can follow us at Dairy Lane Farms on Instagram or Facebook. Shoot us a message there. Use um, my phone numbers all over it. You can probably just give me a call and let me know what you think. <laughs> And then, yeah, might as well. and then we'll uh, we'll get back to you with more on the robots and other things that we're doing, and maybe one day we'll. You could probably even send us a carrier pigeon. Smoke signals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week. You've been listening to Farming with Family, with your host Garrett Hansen and my sister Ashley Kenny. Follow along and download wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. You can find us at Dairy Lane Farms on Facebook and Instagram, and you can see the show notes for the link. See you next week for more farm shit. <laughs> I didn't know that you were doing the shit part. <laughs>